0: It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and welcome to it, as we have uh, a whole lot of information and, well, a whole lot of time, actually. We go about two hours here during the middle part of the day, fill in all the gaps that you might have in knowledge, (laughs) which don't amount to much, but we try to keep you up with the very latest. And we go first off to right where the action is this week in Nebraska. It's the State Fair, and uh, we have our people in force there. Chad and Susan, are you both on mic there today?
1: Yeah, we both are. It is an older Nebraskans day going on here at the Nebraska State Fair today. A busy day. You know, they've had just to continue every day. has had more and more numbers. So the folks in the office are very excited for the turnout today. And, of course, what they'll see the rest of the week with the 4-H and FFA are starting to descend on the State Fair. Livestock will start arriving tomorrow. We've got coming up at twelve thirteen on Nebraska Corn Board, Brandon Honeycutt will be swinging by. He's going to be talking trade. He just recently, as you know, Chad, was put on the National Corn Board's board, and uh, their uh, board of directors is what I was trying to spit out. So we'll be talking, catching up with him, the importance of trade, and we'll get a little bit into what hur- the hurricanes are causing for, for slowdown in trade action. Then uh, coming up at 1219?
2: Yeah, we've got Dan Wesley. He's with the Nebraska Corn Growers Association talking a little harvest safety, giving an update from uh, his organization as well. And uh, look forward to visiting with uh, Dan at 1219 this afternoon.
1: Then at 1245, Shaley Peters catches up with Matt Kreifel's Nebraska Ag Education. It's a busy time with the FFAers uh, coming to the State Fair. And then you being here as well for Pork Leadership. this afternoon
2: that's right thank you much nebraska pork producers association pork leadership program continues we are uh... uh, three uh... three seminars in our fourth comes up next month but uh... fellow mentor and also board member paul segner from friend nebraska is going to join us at 117 we'll talk about the uh, pork leadership program so far and our consumer engagement activity this afternoon
1: so that's a couple things happening here at the Nebraska State Fair, I know you guys got lots of things happening back in the studio as well.
0: Absolutely, thanks, Susan. Thanks, Chad. The older Nebraska's Day, of course, that refers only to Chad Boyer, not to uh, Susan Littlefield. She'll uh, like it that you said yeah, that. I'll <laughs> see, yeah. yeah, you know, Chad's getting a little bit of snow in the beard there, just, and, just uh, a little. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, that just shows the expertise and the the long range kind of planning we do around here. We we hire the lifers. Or the gravitas. <laughs> and here we go with uh, one of those lifers, Jason yep.
3: Jorgensen. Yeah, that's true. We'll talk some Husker football coming up in sports. Also, have you heard about the shenanigans going on before this big Michigan-Florida game? Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh is refusing to release, or at least he's very slow to release his roster. And then neither coach is letting it be known who their starting quarterback would be. But the whole roster trick, that reminds me of the high school coaches yeah. who don't put weights on the roster. I mean, that's a—that's <laughs> an old-school back-slapping yeah. trick from back in the day. Or the
0: heights on the basketball yes. program, right.
3: I've never known a roster or stat sheet to decide a game, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, it's a, it gets into your head, and uh, yep. that's what they're trying to do. Gamesmanship, so talk some college football coming up in sports. The game eventually has to be Yes. Played. In the trenches. Bob Brogan on business. Banks and technology companies are on the rise.
4: Uh, Stocks rising today. Also, billionaire Warren Buffett says the storm damage in Texas is staggering. Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway conglomerate owns Geico and several other insurers, so his company will be helping people rebuild.
0: Thanks, Bob. Thanks, everybody. And uh, we turn it on now as we get into this edition of Midday. in Paul Perkins here and find out what's going on with weather brought to you this time around by Holdridge Irrigation and how long must we wait to see any rain again
4: It's looking pretty slim right now. What rain chances we do have in the forecast not looking all that good. A little bit of light rain right now into the northwest Nebraska Panhandle from Shadron and Gordon down to just west of Alliance. That's been just slowly moving out of the northwest corner of the Panhandle. Also spreading some clouds into the Nebraska Sandhills and also much of the Panhandle. Otherwise, temperature is in the... Upper half of the 70s to low 80s in west central Nebraska on into the Panhandle of northeast Colorado and northwest Kansas. But as you head into central and east Nebraska and Kansas, our temperatures continue to be mainly in the upper 60s to low 70s. Been
0: Very nice weather here the last couple of days. And as we go into the Labor Day kind of uh, last flourish of summer, looks like that's going to hold for a while.
4: Yeah, it looks very favorable. That last official weekend of summer actually going to end on a warm note. And then we cool off and see some very nice conditions coming up here. All right, tell us about it. Yeah, we're today on the, we're on the backside of an area of high pressure that's just out to our east, giving us some sunshine and some southeast winds. We are watching that disturbance track east out of Wyoming that could develop a few more thunderstorms late today into tonight in west and west central Nebraska. But once again, not expecting big rainfall totals from these systems or very widespread coverage. A strong ridge of high pressure to our west will keep it dry with seasonal temperatures as we head into tomorrow A few more thunderstorms are possible tomorrow night and early Friday. We'll see another disturbance drop southeast on the front center of that ridge of high pressure. Not expecting too much in the way of storm development with that system. North and west areas of Nebraska will see the better chance. A stronger disturbance drops in for Friday and Friday night for a chance at a few more thunderstorms across most of the region. But once again, not expecting big rainfall totals or big widespread coverage. High pressure returns for the holiday weekend and Labor Day. Some dry weather and also some warmer temperatures, probably our warmest temperatures of the seven days here. Temperatures will be cooler on Tuesday in behind a cold front. Now in our long-term forecast, Nebraska, Kansas and the nation's midsection will remain sandwiched between a strong high-pressure ridge to the west and strong low-pressure trough towards the east. A nice happy medium for our weather in kind of a happy medium time of the year for weather. Early September, always a Kind of a notoriously nice time of year, I always think. That means mostly near-normal or seasonal temperatures Labor Day through September 12th. The eastern third of Nebraska and Kansas closer to cooler than normal on temperatures in early September. Central Nebraska daytime highs usually average in the upper 70s and low 80s with overnight lows in the low 50s. And it looks like that's what we're going to see. We also head into a time of year that starts to see less rain. That will hold true with a high likelihood Nebraska and Kansas will see below normal rainfall Labor Day through the 12th. Weather factors market traders are considering include tropical storm Harvey moving into the Delta today, mainly favorable conditions for Midwest crops, good harvest conditions in the plains and prairies of Canada, and colder weather late next week. The remnants of tropical storm Harvey only moving northeast right now at 7 miles per hour. We could pedal a bike faster than that. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a bit faster. Yeah. It's going to gradually move faster to the northeast and reach the central Appalachians by Saturday. But you can see how long and sustained this storm is when it's only moving seven miles per hour. Parts of the Mid-South and Tennessee and Ohio Valleys could receive about two to six inches of rain. Possibly some localized spots of around 10 inches. Rain has ended in Houston, but there are some forecast models suggesting heavy rain could return to southeast Texas early next week. Elsewhere, hot, mostly dry weather will persist across the northern High Plains and much of the west. Generally cool weather will continue across the southeast and lower midwest. Over the weekend, late season warmth will expand east across the north central U.S. This will aid in the final development of corn and soybeans in the upper midwest. Colder weather in the Midwest, 8 to 10 days from now, may lead to some frost as some certain conditions happen. Harvest weather continues to be favorable in the northern plains and Canadian prairies for the drought-reduced spring wheat crop. In Ukraine and Russia, above to well above normal temperatures the middle of this month likely increase the crop stress and may affect yield prospects for spring grains, especially in south and east ukraine and also south russia
0: i'm telling you what there are so many places that haven't had their sufficient rain or got the damage when they didn't need it and uh so far so good for much of the midwest just kind of keeping fingers crossed for kind of an easy slide into the fall drying season
4: yeah it looks like we're going to see that definitely here in nebraska and kansas in early september
0: we could use it And uh, we can uh, also advise you that when you need to look at some weather anytime, we have just about all that you need right there.
4: It's on the weather tab at com.
1: Good afternoon from the Nebraska State Fair. I'm Susan Littlefield. It's a great time to be at the Nebraska State Fair. Of course, it is Older Nebraskans Day, and I'm proud to say that we don't fit in this category, Brandon.
5: No, we do not. We're kind of the anomaly here today.
1: (laughs) Brandon Honeycutt joining us now. A very busy man. You just recently elected. To the National Corn Growers Association's Board of Directors, Jesse Harding and I have said future National Corn Growers president if we get our way.
5: <laughs> well, you never know what will happen. You, know, I've got a few years to decide that.
1: Exactly. Busy time, too, because obviously we're getting ready to get a harvest going here in Nebraska, which makes guys think of trade, at least I hope it's making them think of trade opportunities for their corn.
5: Yeah, you know, this is an important time of year where we look like we're going to have a good harvest and we need to be able to move the grain, the ethanol, the cattle out of the state. Um, to feed an ever-growing population and, and make sure we have clean fuels out there and it's vitally important we get that moved.
1: Is there any concerns because of the recent hurricanes and what that's going to mean for trade not only out of Texas but as it's now moved into a tropical storm and is moving into Louisiana?
5: You know you look at the devastation they've had down in Texas and we definitely feel for everybody down there and realize that um, just moving stuff is going to become a challenge for a while. You know whether it's even with the rainfall in, in Louisiana now so I, you know, we haven't really heard specific reports yet, but you just know based on past experiences that we're going to have some sort of slowdown, I'm I'm sure. Well, I know that when we
1: were down there with U.S. Grains Council, it was always it was interesting to see the movement. And I think of all that cotton that was in the field and all that corn that was in the field that unfortunately has, for many of
5: them, been a complete loss. Yeah, you know, one of the things I've heard is that some of those places, especially on the, the cotton side, there might be some challenges when it comes to crop insurance um, and different things. Once they're in the bale and on the ground, you know, how that actually works out i don 't know, but man i can 't even imagine losing losing a crop like that, and nothing you can do but just watch it sit underwater
1: that 's tough. Our thoughts and prayers continue with them for us here in Nebraska some good numbers coming out when it comes to what trade dollars mean to Nebraskans
5: yeah, you know the u s grains council which which is a great partner that we have, and they really do a great job promoting stuff throughout the world, um, both on the corn front the eth- ethanol front you know the, the the barley and the Milo as well but but we we look at it, trades about a $1.3 billion um, advantage to the, to the Nebraska economy and adds roughly 3,500 jobs, which is something we don't necessarily think about.
1: Now, looking at those jobs, I mean, this is beyond just ag jobs. It has a trickle-down effect to the main streets of Omaha and Lincoln.
5: Yeah, you know, you look around, as we're sitting at the state fair, and you realize how many ag-based uh, manufacturing things are, are in the Grand Island area. You look at how it affects Main Street in, in, in Lincoln and Omaha as well. You know, it's a big deal. And sometimes we we take it for granted, um, mainly because we don't have those ports. We don't have those obvious things that, that promote trade. But, but not just ag, but ag trade is huge for the state. And you guys have been holding some reverse trade missions as well. Just a few
1: short months ago, you brought a delegation up from Mexico mm-hmm. to see what happens with the Nebraska products.
5: You know, that's one of the great things we've been able to, to really um, leverage here over the last number of years is, is bring those reverse trade missions. You know, it's always nice to go see somewhere else, but when you bring them up to show them Nebraska corn, Nebraska quality, we had the, the, the Mexican delegation up here to talk. You know, obviously with the NAFTA issues, um, we had the Japanese uh, ethanol ethanol team up here that was, met a lot of journalists, and they did a great write-up. I, I can self-promote a little bit because I was in the write-up, but a, a great write-up in a national paper there, and, and it's great having them here to just show them what we do. And, of course, a step-by-step with you guys. We wish you a very safe harvest, and before you
1: know it, post-Husker Harvest Days, you'll be in the field. It's coming close. Thanks, Susan. Thanks so much, Brandon Honeycutt, joining us. Lots more coming up. We are at the Nebraska State Fair. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
0: You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for us to check sports with Jason Jorgensen.
3: Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, then you handed out the black shirts this week. Defensive coordinator Bob Diaco decided to hand out 16 of them. Head coach Mike Riley gives a reason for deciding on that number.
6: As we selected the guys, uh, we, we selected guys that had been, uh, you know, either in a situation where they were in a subunit, maybe the the nickel situation or the dime and played a big role in, in, uh, in playing defense in the game.
3: And you will kick off the season on Saturday night at 7 in Lincoln against Arkansas State. There's been no shortage of gamesmanship in advance of the intersexual matchup between Michigan and Florida. Wolverines coach Jim Harbaugh has been slow to publicize his roster and neither he nor Florida coach Jim McElwain has announced their starting quarterback. Creighton volleyball team is ranked 7th in this week's ABCA Coaches Poll. It's the highest ranking ever for the Blue Jays. Creighton went 3-0 and this past weekend, including a win at third-ranked Washington. Giancarlo Stanton has two games left to try to match Sammy Sosa's mark for home runs in a month. He tied the record last night for long balls in August with 18. He's too shy of the 20 Sosa hit in June of 1998. Stanton has 51 homers through 131 games. That's approximately the same pace by Sosa and Maguire when they surpassed Roger Maris' longtime home run record of 61 back in 1998. Phillies rookie Rice Hoskins looks to resume his power pack start at the plate when Philadelphia and Atlanta played a traditional doubleheader. Hoskins is hitting 395 during a 10-game hitting streak and has an RBI in six straight games. His 25 RBIs in August are the most by a Phillies rookie since 1971. And not only did the Royals avoid a record for most consecutive innings without scoring a run, they also managed to end a five-game losing skid with a much-needed 6-2 win over Tampa Bay, when Merrifield homered with two outs in the third to stop Kansas City's string at 45 innings, which was just three off the Major League mark. And it's time to play catch-up of the U.S. Open. There are 87 singles matches scheduled for today after rain wiped out nearly all of yesterday's action. The weather shouldn't be a problem today with sunny skies and near perfect conditions. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to
7: the Rural Radio Network. There's a slight chance of thunderstorms in parts of western and west central Nebraska tonight. I'm Dave Schroeder with a check of news. Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson has launched his reelection campaign. Here's more from the Rural Radio Network's Bryce Duskett. Attorney General Peterson explains that he's seeking reelection to continue work that he started in his first term.
4: Well, in a lot of ways, it seems like we're in the middle of some important things. Uh, and so, uh, to me, Continuing on those uh, goals, whether that's continuing to move forward with some convictions, prosecutions and convictions in human trafficking, whether it's continuing to uh, increase training and and investigations in uh, child sexual assaults, uh, whether it's continuing to expand
3: some concepts on a national level in consumer protection, These are all things that we're kind of in the middle of right now. In the two and a half years of serving as attorney general, Peterson has found himself in the center of some controversy, but says that's the nature of the job.
4: Well, the nature of the attorney general's office is I'm not looking for controversies, but controversies come to the attorney general's office.
2: And I'm not going to back away from my statutory and constitutional duties to do what I have to do.
3: Reporting in Lincoln, Nebraska, for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett.
7: Dawes County Commissioners have selected a replacement for the county treasurer who resigned after pleading guilty to official misconduct. Chelsea Sparks was named to the post and will serve the remaining 16 months of Barb Sebesta's term. Sebesta resigned earlier this summer and is awaiting sentencing on September 8th. A state audit alleged Sebesta altered a check written by a taxpayer. Sebesta has said she was trying to clarify the proper amount for a bank. She also was accused of twice failing to collect sales tax and of failing to maintain trust balances in a timely fashion. Sparks was Deputy Sheridan County Treasurer for eight years and worked for a time in the Cheyenne County Attorney's Office. The Kansas Department for Children and Families is offering some workers a raise if they give up the right to appeal disciplinary decisions. The offer comes after some Kansas workers didn't receive a pay increase approved this spring by the legislature. Robert Kromansky, executive director of the Kansas Employees Union, says the offer would make it easier for the state to fire employees. Employees who keep their classified status can appeal firings, demotions, or suspensions. President Donald Trump says his heart goes out even more to Texans after witnessing firsthand what he calls the horror and devastation caused by Harvey. Trump's tweet comes the day after he traveled to Texas to meet with state and local officials. The damage he saw was through the tinted windows of his SUV as he traveled from the Corpus Christi airport to a firehouse in a city already nearly back to normal. As the severe storm season continues, remember, the Weather Watch never sleeps. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroll.
8: Peter is back with you from the 2017 Nebraska State Fair and I visit here today with Matt Crifles. He's the Nebraska Director of Agricultural Education and Matt a lot of things happening out here at this year's State Fair. We're kind of into the midst of it now and you're doing um, a ton of different stuff I guess out here at the State Fair so we'll just talk about some of that to begin with.
9: You bet. Um... Well, agricultural education and and FFA, as most people would recognize it, uh, does have a large presence at the Nebraska State Fair. We are thrilled to be here uh, with um, thousands of of students coming to exhibit um, their livestock projects and also some of their static exhibit projects um, over the course of the fair. And uh, it's really a showcase for them and an ability to recognize their hard work over the course of the year.
8: Now, when we talk about agricultural education, we have seen some extreme growth over the past few years, um, several new FFA chapters popping up, kind of give us an update as far as that's concerned.
9: You bet. Well, the um, it's been interesting. Agricultural education uh, has really stayed stagnant since the 1980s. There uh, would, A few schools would add programs and a few schools might drop programs. Uh, But since 2010, there's been a dramatic increase in the number of schools and communities interested in offering an agricultural education program along with an FFA chapter. This last year, eight additional schools added that program, added a teacher, added the chapter, and it was starting out this August with a new FFA chapter. And that's fantastic. But when you look at that since 2010, that's 48 new schools since then, which is over a 33% increase in the number of schools that offered it before then. We've never seen growth like this ever since it started way back in 1917, and it's it, it's encouraging and exciting to see the investment that communities, schools, administrators, and students are putting into this program.
8: Growth that we definitely want to continue to see happen, um, and even though we've had that growth there's always a need always a need for those agricultural education teachers for that to really be showcased across the state especially in schools.
9: Yes with this growth it has provided a challenge for us and our biggest challenge has been over these last seven years and truthfully even before that finding enough qualified passionate individuals to serve as teachers and FFA advisors in those schools. The people that come in and lead these programs these teachers are certified teachers in the Nebraska Department of Education, specific in agricultural education, where they receive training around not only the content of agriculture, but how to lead students, how to mentor students, and grow them as individuals to be leaders within the agriculture industry. We haven't had enough of those in recent years. And we've worked with partners like the Nebraska Farm Bureau, our own Nebraska FFA Foundation, and other organizations and sponsors to help bring that to light and make an impact on the number of students that we're drawing into the profession and we're starting to see a difference with that
8: and that's just it when you look at you know these younger kids and they're trying to figure out where they want to go what they want to do when they think about agricultural education as an option what sort of things do you guys provide to kind of guide them in that direction and help them out so maybe if they're not so sure it's they've got more direction headed that way
9: the uh, Many of our students that that are interested have been a part of a of a local high school ag program and FFA chapter, and so that's what the bulk of our students are. Uh, we've it's been interesting though that as Farm Bureau and other organizations and and media outlets have picked up on this need for teachers, that we've also started to draw in students that come from schools that have never offered it, and they say, "I want to have this. Why, I wish my school had." this program, I want to help bring that to more students because I never had that opportunity. And so it's been interesting to see the diversity of students that have come into the program that want to be ag teachers. We've also seen the increase in the number of students over the last couple of years as a result of these three and four years of promotion. Uh, Previously, the University of Nebraska, which is the only institution that, that trains agriculture teachers, they we're graduating between eight and ten students every year to be new ag teachers to go out and take jobs when we would have 45 openings so there's a gap there uh, we're very thrilled to see that the university is expecting to graduate 25 students this current academic year that just began uh... to fill those positions which we desperately need
8: all right bringing it back to the state fair and you mentioned earlier the nineteen seventeen so quick math a hundred years is what you're celebrating this year you had some recognition earlier in the week
9: Absolutely. Earlier this week, uh, we were recognized by the Nebraska State Fair uh, for our 100-year anniversary of agricultural education and FFA in Nebraska. Uh, it all started with the Smith-Hughes Act, signed by Woodrow Wilson in 1917, which formally started Career and Technical education. Agri- education in Nebraska, um, specifically agricultural education, and ever since those first two schools in 1917 started the program, we've been slowly but surely increasing the number of schools to today, 185 schools in Nebraska offer it.
8: Certainly something that's very important as we look out across the great state of Nebraska and celebrate during the Nebraska State Fair. Anything specifically you are looking forward to as you uh, head into the rest of your week here at the fair?
9: Well, um, we... Love the second weekend of the fair because that's when all of the FFA and 4 H students come and bring their projects, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic fair. These students have worked all year on their projects, and this is their opportunity to um, put them on display, to talk to people, to the public about what it's taken to do that. And really, it's an opportunity for them to become advocates for agriculture, but also for the larger community of Nebraska and the fairgoers to learn about agriculture through these projects.
8: Thank you so much. Matt Kreifels, Nebraska Director of Agricultural Education from the 2017 Nebraska State Fair.
10: Next, we talk about the rebound in livestock futures with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe?
11: Yeah, it was. It was a positive day for uh, livestock. Uh, so we've changed. Uh, the venue here for uh, at least today, uh, it started with the hogs. Hogs uh, pretty much uh, higher all day long in the front end, and then eventually the back end uh, came along. But uh, uh, it appears that uh, you know we're, we were a bit very oversold in the hogs, and uh, uh, I think we got some short covering. The discount is way too great uh, as we go into another month. Um, We're going to be moving into uh, September uh, uh, on Friday. So uh, I think a lot of that uh, can can be contributed to to that effect, plus the fact that uh, the pork movement has picked up uh, with the cutouts dropping so drastically. So uh, at this point, uh, I think uh, people are willing to step aside. Over in the cattle, we started out... uh, mixed to lower and, uh, uh, we bounced back here at the very end after being under some pressure, but I think the market, uh, a little oversold getting into, uh, areas where we got some profit taking, uh, the cutouts were just a little bit higher, uh, volume in the box is not very great, uh. So uh, it, look, it appears it's mostly just short covering, uh, uh, kind of evening up uh, as we go into the holiday uh, weekend. So, uh, But all in all, uh, it ends up being a positive day for livestock.
10: Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities. 800-328-0134. Dewey Nelson reporting. Back at the Nebraska
2: State Fair in Grand Island, Chad Moyer with you on the Rural Radio Network. This segment, we're talk a little bit about pork production and uh, Nebraska Pork Producers Association, some of the activities they have going on. With me is Paul Segner. He is uh, from Friend, Nebraska. Kind of a dual role this year, Paul. Not only did you get elected to the Board of Directors for Nebraska Pork, but you were selected for the Pork Leadership Program as well. Uh, what, What
12: has that program been like so far for you? The pork leadership program's been really interesting. It's you, you you gain a whole lot of knowledge about where the pork industry's at, where it, what what's happening in the pork industry, and and just to see how big the exports are in the in the pork meats, and and just just the whole perspective of the whole. Um, way pork is raised all the way through market.
2: Yep, and I've been lucky enough that I was selected to be with you guys this year. There are Mm -hmm. six of us, and I I think it's interesting how um, every aspect uh, and a lot of connected industries are in this group. Mm -hmm. Two producers, a guy from genetics, a guy Mm -hmm. from feed, a guy from finance, and and me Mm -hmm. in communications. Mm -hmm.
12: It's good to see that overall perspective in all of the adjacent industries, right? So oftentimes, I think we get we get the the blinders put on us that pork production is just just the producer out there raising the pork but it takes it takes a village to to get this all done and so that 's where i 'm learning a lot more about the pork production on on the bigger broader scale yep
2: I said you 're from friend you 're you 're a contract grower for the mashoffs, so you see a lot of that part of the production uh, in part of the pork industry. but so far, through our three sessions of the pork leadership program, give us a couple of examples what mm-hmm. have what has left the biggest impression in this program so
12: far i I thoroughly enjoyed going through the Hormel packing plant this last time up at Fremont. Um, to, to see how it's all packaged and the volume that goes through 10,000 plus head a day and and to see to see how they package it and process it and and ship it all over the world and and then to send some cuts to specialty plants to finish that process um, it's it's pretty amazing when you look at the big big picture of the whole of the whole um, meat packing plant. Um, I've also enjoyed just getting to, when we went over to Des Moines to the National Pork Board, we learned a lot of different aspects of, of, of the exports, of, of things that's going on in the pork industry that we're probably not so much um, aware of out on our farm, but what we do affects a lot of different people so
2: yep so we've i said we've done three seminars so far our fourth one is coming up uh in the middle here of september here and uh we'll be heading to dc i understand right yes that's correct
12: um we're going to be meeting with um different senators up there in legislature talking about the farm program um, talking about what pork production is and and sometimes i i feel that there's such a big disconnect of the people that's representing us and so this is a good opportunity for us to to go there and show them that we are out here um doing this yep all right just quickly to wrap up
2: uh, our pork leadership group today we're going to do some consumer engagement over at the uh, raising
12: nebraska building this afternoon you looking forward to that yes um around four o'clock we're going to be starting that and um we're going to be trying to educate people about pork industry, pork, how pork is raised. Um, we have some videos. We have some pictures of farms and, and things that's going on. Very good. Thanks, Paul, for sitting down with us. Appreciate it. Again, Paul Segner, friend Nebraska,
2: board member of the Nebraska Pork Producers Association, here at the State Fair, Chad Moyer reporting.
10: Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we had a rebound in Kansas City wheat futures today, but we extended our losses for corn and soybeans. With us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And you've said this before, we need wheat, and especially, you know, the hard red winter wheat futures, to be kind of the uh, catalyst for some higher prices, didn't you?
6: Yeah, I think that's probably something we need to see here. I mean, Casey Wheat's been the the, the kind of whipping post of the wheat wheat complex. I think we started in Fourth of July. Really, everything changed. The weather started to change a little bit up in the, the Dakotas. Uh, spring wheat fell apart. We were trading eight dollars there. Obviously, the story known well in the Kansas City. But we were like a seven or eight cent premium to Chicago at that point. And really, as we've fallen apart, that has led us lower. We're now five. And depending on the contract you're looking at, anywhere between three and seven cents difference now between uh, contracts of, of Chicago and Kansas City. I think we need that high protein story to lead. My opinion, it will. I think we get through this first notice day tomorrow. We'll probably see the markets trade a lot differently next week. Um, this is, in reality, just a ring out of what's what's available physical. Uh, it's it's hunting for storage. Nobody needs to. To pay up for storage, they can find product anywhere, so they're just simply lowballing the farmer who needs to find a home for product.
10: Have you been getting questions from clients saying, uh, "Is there hope for this corn and soybean market?"
6: Oh yeah, a lot of panic, and I think uh, producers, from my opinion, just dealing with them, we're all, they're all frozen right now. Uh, you know, it wasn't two weeks ago where they were. You know, guys were saying, "Well, you know, can't go that much lower." Uh, I, I think we've got more to go. I, I would imagine December 18, which is trading at 387 right now, uh, that, that had its kind of year ago harvest low coming right around 380. I think we'll, we'll be there sometime before the end of the week. That would be, a, I guess, a far-fetched prognostication by myself, but it would be one I would look for if, if we can hold that level and maybe get a little upside I think the rest of the complex follows. Just a reminder, it was a year ago. Right now, we were trading three hundred five September corn, three hundred twenty December corn, and before rallying pretty quickly in the in the by the month of October, we were back up to three hundred fifty December. So, I, I think we'll come back. It just depends on the levels we come from. Uh, you know, I'd like to think the lows are going to be made here in the next two days. Uh, I certainly hope they will. I'd be trading that way, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, one final surge up as we get into the early part of September, um, and then you know see what the Wozzi says. I still kind of lean on one sixty eight for for. Corn. Corn and right around that 48 level for beans. I think those are enough to keep us above last year's low.
10: Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Advisor with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. That's where to go DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.